Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Susie. Good morning, Katie. So we before we begin this podcast, which is Ask Katie and Susie. Anything. Katie, we've already begun it. Okay. Before we start the questions for this Ask oh, you're so Katie good at that. and yes. Susie podcast, we just want you to know that today's March 3rd that you're listening. However, we're recording this early before Susie's surgery. So this is being recorded in February. And we just want you to know that full transparency. So Susie, are you ready? What if they don't listen to it till later on? They're not maybe not listening to it on March 3rd. Listen that's to it when, whenever you want. Yeah, but that's when it drops. All right. I just was giving her a little hard time. Hi. Hi, Susie. <laughs> what else do you want to tell anyone? If you have more questions... Send them to... Go on, keep going, Katie. No, go yeah. for it. We, listen, you better get used to my voice because I may be doing the March, let's see, what's seven, March 7th podcast without her. It would be March 10th. March 10th podcast without <laughs> her. Okay. If you want to send in a question or if KT chooses it, we answer it on this podcast, please send them in to Ask Susie. How do you spell that, KT? A-S-K-S-U-Z-E. I meant, how do you spell Susie? Oh. But, <laughs> but that's all right. Ask Susie podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. S-U-Z-E. S-U-Z-E. Yes. All right. All right, what do you got for me, sweetheart? So first question is from Lori. And Lori said, Dear Susie, I love your podcast. Listen to every one of them. I'm 52 and bought the Ultimate Retirement Guide for 50 Plus. That's Susie's new book, everyone. Fabulous. It's not new. It came out over two years ago. Fabulous. It's the newest. In your podcast, you're promoting Series I bonds and how great it is to buy them now. I would love to buy Series I bonds as I am now in a place in my life that I could afford $10,000. So if I buy at age 52 and I don't touch it at all, what happens when my I bond matures at the age of 62? What do I do next, Susie? For instance, can I not touch it until I want to cash in the bond? Can I take some of the money or interest once the bond matures? So there you go. Lori needs some answers. So, KT, why do you think everybody's still so confused on I-bonds? 
Like I think they're confused on all financial transactions, <laughs> not just iBonds, especially is, the Roth. Yeah, because, Lori, this is worrying me. Are you all not listening to what I've been saying over and over again? I have told you that, number one, the maximum that you can put in to a series I bond, I stands for inflation, is $10,000. Per year. Per year. Thank you, Miss Travis. You're welcome, Susie. I listen. I listen really good. Well, that makes me feel good because <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure anybody else is. Or they're listening and they're hearing what they want to hear. But that's why you all get in trouble. You don't have to put in 10000 though. You could put in a hundred, two hundred, any amount of money you want, right? So I bonds you can purchase for small amounts of money, up to ten thousand dollar a year maximum. Number one, I bonds have a thirty year maturity. They do not mature in ten years. They mature in thirty years. When you purchase an I bond. You cannot touch the amount that you put in for at least one year, no matter what. You can be screaming bloody murder and you cannot get it out. From years two through five, you can take any amount you want out, all of it, a little of it, and you will get a three-month interest penalty. That's it. After five years of it being in there, you can take any amount of money you want out with no penalties whatsoever. So it's your money, totally your money, penalty-free after five years. While your money is in an I-bond, you do not pay taxes on it. You never pay taxes on the state level, no matter what state you live in, and you only pay federal taxes when you actually withdraw it. That is how a Series I bond works. So you have to understand that, everybody. Remember, a Series I bond is made up of two components, a fixed part and an inflation part. The fixed part never changes. Currently, it's at 0%. So if inflation went down to 0%, you might not make any interest on this bond at all. Susie, we should tell Lori that you actually did a Susie school on this. A big one. Um, maybe two months ago. I don't know when But now, not but, not long ago. Lori, all, look it up. Look it up. And, and listen to that. Yeah. It's so good and so clear. Yeah. So, But just know that the second part is inflation. If inflation continues to go up or stays here, you're going to get a great return on I-bonds. Remember, they change the inflation rate twice a year, every May and November. They come out with a new one, May 1st, November 1st. So can you just all remember that? I am not going to answer any more questions on I-bonds, okay, T? We'll, we'll see about that. We'll, them. No, we'll see about that. No, it's aggravating we'll see, me. We'll see about that. Okay, next is from Nicole. Hi, Susie and KT. I've always planned on waiting to collect Social Security till reaching age 70, as per your advice. I recently heard something and was wondering if it was true. I heard if you retire before age 65, 
for example, at age 55, but do not collect Social Security and wait till age 70, you do not get more money by waiting till age 70 rather than 62. Since that is based on you, I know, I know, wait, 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 she's going to tell you don't listen, people. Ready? Since it's based on you working till you collect Social Security. If you stop working, the money only goes up pennies. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Nicole needs a little straightening that out. Should have been I think mo- I think most of these need a little straightening yeah. out. So so here's the thing, Nicole, is that here's how they calculate social security. You need at least 35 years of earnings. So 35 years of earnings because they take the top income for 35 years. If you have less than that and stop working, yeah, your benefit is going to be affected. Nothing to do if you take it at 70 versus whatever. It's because, you know, for every year under 35 years of earnings, let's say you worked for 25 years and now they need 35 years of calculations, they're going to give you a zero for each year that you had without earnings. So years with no earnings reduce your retirement benefits. Just that easy. So again, remember, your Social Security is figured on 35 years of earnings. So low earning years are replaced by high earning years. And that increase is what affects your benefit. Again, your 35 highest years is what makes up your average monthly indexed earnings benefit. And if you wait till 70, you usually will get about 124% more than if you took it at 67. That's not pennies. That's not pennies. pennies. And if you took it at 62, that you're hearing that it doesn't make a difference, you're going to get 30% less than you would have gotten at 67. So no, it doesn't work the way that you think. What's that look for? Because she keeps referencing 70. Yeah, if she waits till 70, if she's worked at least 35 years, and has 35 years of earnings, she will get more at 70, even if she retires at 55. Yeah, your retirement has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with when you take it out, right? No, KT, it has to do with do you have 35 years of earnings or not? But it has nothing to do with are you going to get penalized because you haven't worked till 55 And now if you take it at 62, it's the same as 67. It's never the same if you take it at 62 versus you take it at 67 versus you take it at 70. The longer you wait, the more you get. Just that simple. That's all you have to remember, everyone. Wait as long as you can, baby. (laughs) Depends on your situation. All right. Next is from Michael. Hi, KT and Susie. I'm fully contributing to the max amounts of my employer traditional 401k and to my Roth IRA. My employer doesn't offer a Roth. 
Since there is a 3% employer match on the 401k, since I can't get a Roth, would it be better to reduce my 401k contributions to 3% and invest the rest somewhere else, like an investment at a discount brokerage firm? Just wondering your thoughts on this, Susie. Yeah, Michael, you didn't tell me how much money you make, but I have a feeling that you qualify for a Roth IRA. So when you have an employer that doesn't offer a Roth 401k or a Roth 403b if you're a nonprofit or a Roth TSP if you're a federal government or in the military, and all they offer is a traditional 401k and they match the contribution, you contribute up to the point of the match and then you stop contributing. And then you open up your own Roth IRA, and you fund it to six or $7,000, depending on age, and that is how you invest. Then after the Roth IRA, then it's up to you. Do you have a home? Do you have any debt? What else do you have going on? Assuming that everything is like it should be, then there's nothing wrong with after maxing out a Roth to open up an investment account at a discount brokerage firm, such as TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, E-Trade, Fidelity, whatever. I don't have any connections with any of them. And invest there. And you'll find that that might be better off than a traditional 401k at your employer because 401ks, when you go to withdraw it, number one, are totally taxable to you in the year you withdraw, and you can't do it till you're at 59 and a half in most cases or older. You can't get at that money penalty-free up until that point. So you will pay ordinary income taxes on it. You could very well just invest in an investment account. And if you tend to keep things long-term, you buy individual stocks and you know that you're going to keep them for 10, 20, 30 years or whatever, you don't pay taxes while the money is in there. And then later on in life, when you go to sell or anytime you go to sell, if you kept it for more than a year, it's capital gains tax. So what? So yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea at all, but only after you have funded your Roth. Okay. So Susie, my next question. How come you're not telling me to go shorter? with my answers. I think that he needed to have that information. And maybe those listening needed it too. But this is a long question with a real short answer. I love this question. It's a great story, everyone. Listen up. And this may affect a lot of you out there. She's 63. She's been a single mother of five. Ready, everyone? For the past 20 years. She's very proud that she's role modeled good financial responsibility for her children. So here's the backstory real quick. I'll make it a little bit short, Susie. When she was 25, she fell in love with a fabulous man. Life intervened. He moved west. She moved east. And they didn't see each other for another 30 years. Well, seven years ago, they're both divorced. Seven years ago, they reconnected. He moved across the country to be with me. It wasn't until he moved here, though, that I realized just how bad he is with money. Big gulp. Ready? He's 64, spends like he has a hole in his pocket. He buys new shirts, new this, new that. He eats out 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if he sees something he wants, he just buys it. So she said, I've tried reining him in, but it never works. Every time I help him save a chunk of money, he blows it, every single bit of it. And then she wrote, it scares me. Well, now, we now, wait. I'm telling now wait, her. wait, <laughs> listen and remember that line. It scares me, Susie. Now she said 30 years ago when she got divorced, she had a net worth of $4,000. Over the past three decades, ready everyone? She's been disciplined, worked smart. And remember, she raised five kids. She nurtured that amount to a net worth of $2 million today. So she's scared of the boyfriend because he spends crazy. She saved for 30 years over $2 million. Ready? This is the clincher, Susie. He wants to marry her. He drops hints regularly. I told him I don't want to get married to anyone. He wants to live together. I told him I don't want to live together and so on and so forth. He's saying, okay, the bottom line is she loves him. He's good company, but she's concerned about being with him is not good for her. And it would set a bad example for her adult children, which are still relatively young from the age 33 to 22. After all, I'd be distraught if any of them dated someone with my boyfriend's habit for spending. He's 64 and hasn't saved a dime. Help me know what to do, Susie. Now, wait. You all should think about that. Yeah. And when you hear this story, rather than me answering it right now, because the truth of the matter is, I wrote back, KT. Oh. And I said a few things to her, and she said, yep, you're right, Susie. So I want all of you now to think about if she was your best friend. What would you do? Send us your answer to podcast at gmail.com. We will tally all of them. And then later on, we'll see what would you do. Come on. We want to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And this next question is from Heather. Assuming one had a decent interest rate on a 30-year fixed and they could pay more than their minimum payment, what are the pros and cons of keeping the 30-year fixed and paying more per month towards the principal versus refinancing to a shorter-term loan? I know when one is young, you advise to invest extra money, but what about people who are older and more focused on being mortgage-free at retirement? Heather. Heather sounds so proper, Susie. I was going to say. Give her a very proper answer. I was going to say, what is wrong with you, Katie? <laughs> no, she says, when one know, is but, young. But when you, one is I'm young. I'm like watching her, everybody, read this question. <laughs> Sitting up straight. She sat up very straight. She's talking like. Heather I, is very proper. How do you know Heather because is proper? Because listen, look how she wrote it. When one. <laughs> it's very cute. It's her. When one is. Go ahead, read it. Give her an answer. Give her a proper answer, Susie. Katie, nothing I do is proper. <laughs> anyway, here's the thing, my dear Heather, is this. You all have to understand that a 15-year fixed-rate mortgage is usually half a percent less to begin with than a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. And many of you get 30-year mortgages because you're afraid that 
something will happen in the future and you won't be able to afford a 15-year fixed rate mortgage, even though currently you could afford a 15-year fixed rate mortgage. So it just depends. If you have a 30-year mortgage, and let's say you're only five years into it, and interest rates are still relatively close to where they were when you had originally done it. Because remember, everybody, interest rates are going up. So you may find that now a 15-year fixed rate, if you refinance, is the exact same interest rate as a 30-year mortgage that you got years ago. But let's just say that's not true. And you were able to refinance to a lower interest rate for a shorter period of time using a 15-year versus your current 30-year, I would go ahead and do it if I knew I was going to be staying in that home long enough to at least recoup the closing costs with the savings. So you just, you, you have to know that it makes sense because you're really going to stay in this home. So I always think, number one, when you're older, you know you're going to stay in that home, hopefully for a long time. Your number one goal is to have the mortgage on that home paid off by the time you retire. That is your number one goal and your key, in my opinion, to success when it comes to a really carefree retirement, really, because nothing makes somebody feel more secure when they own their home outright. That's for sure. Those are the pros. The cons of keeping your 30-year fixed and paying more per month is that you're paying it possibly at a higher interest rate than you need to be paying. So you're better off refinancing if, again, the interest rate is lower currently than your 30-year fixed when you got it. All right. Okay. This next question is from help too much money. So I want to just tell you all that when I look at the emails, I read the subject line, obviously, first, and some of them are really compelling. Those of you that send in question about a Roth, I usually skip it. No, you (laughs) don't. All right, go on. All right, ready? Help, too much money. Dear Susie and KT. Is there such a thing? No, you can never be too rich or too thin. That's not true, KG. No, but that's you Beverly. Can absolutely be too thin. That's my friend Beverly's quote. Never never can be too rich or too thin. I couldn't disagree more. She's all on right, a diet on. all her life. All right, ready? Yeah. Dear Susie and KT, and Aunt gave me a set of your books and videos 20 years ago when I was in my early 20s. Your advice shaped my family's life and protected our major life decisions, including purchases, savings, and other life decisions. As a result, here in our mid-40s, my husband and I have no debt except a 15-year mortgage at 2.25%. We have more than a 12-month emergency fund and retirement accounts in the mid-300,000 range. We're an average middle-class family with average middle-class backgrounds. What has me feeling panicky is that my husband and his two partners are selling their S-Corps, and we will have millions to manage by the end of 2022. We have no idea what to do or not to do with the money. 
or how to communicate with our extended families. We don't want to tell anyone, not even our children. We have had terrible experiences trying to find a financial advisor because all have turned out just to be salesmen. We don't know how to live life with money like that. It's a good problem to have. So any direction would be very much appreciated because we haven't told anyone. And I think we're not going to. Could my name please be anonymous? Okay, there you go, Susie. So this is a very hard question for Susie because she believes in total transparency. Yeah. You know, this reminds me, KT, of a story when on the Susie Orman show, I don't know if you remember this, when the daughter of a woman who worked at Costco called in. Oh, I do remember that. And they won the lottery. There were 20 some odd, I don't remember the number, of Costco employees, and they each got $3 million. After they each got $3 million, her mother was more depressed than ever. Now, here was a woman working at Costco, never made hardly any money at all, and she was so happy. Then she wins, and she gets $3 million, and now she is having to see therapists. She is just miserable. And her daughter calls the Susie Orman Show, what can I do to make my mother happy? My mother's miserable now. And so one has to ask, why do you think money, an amount of money, when you're gifted with $2 million, $3 million, not even gifted with it, your husband or your spouse works really hard, and now they have it? Why would you be ashamed of that? As if money is dirty. Money is going to judge you. People won't like you because you have money. That's not it. People don't like you if you show off, if you start changing, if you become a different person because now you have money. You think you're better than everybody because you have money. And you're going to find very soon that money offers you security for not only yourself, but your children, and allows you also to help those that you may want to help. And it's a freedom. It's not a jail sentence. So I really hope, really from the bottom of my heart, that you decide to absolutely share this with your children, to share this with your friends, to share you, you don't have to share the amount that you got two or three million, but oh my God, I can't believe it. My husband just sold his business. And for the first time ever, we're going to have some money. I'm so happy about it. And what's important though is it's true. If you're going to look for a financial advisor, be careful because you have to know that a financial advisor has your best interest at heart versus their own and why there are fabulous financial advisors out there. And if you know one, they are worth their weight in gold. There are so many that don't have a clue about how to do anything. It's not even funny. So there's nothing wrong with this money just sitting when you get it until you can trust yourself more than you trust others. Listen to the um, past podcasts about 
financial advisors, all of those things. But you'll find somebody. The key here is you have to find yourself. You have to find the wealth within you. You have to find the strength within you so that you know that you define your money. Your money doesn't define you. And if people don't like you because you don't have money, who cares? One of my greatest joys was always, KT, do you remember this? Me walking on stage. And I would look at everybody and I would say, somehow I would get around to, and I'm a very wealthy woman. I didn't marry it. I didn't inherit it. I didn't win the lottery. And I'm proud that I'm really, really wealthy. And then I would always say, who do you want to give you financial advice? Somebody who doesn't have any money. But I stood in my truth of what I have, and I'm proud of what I have. And I don't feel guilty when I spend money, and I don't feel guilty when I don't spend money. I don't feel guilty when somebody comes, KT, and asks us for money, and I just look at them, and you look at them, and we go, no, we're not supporting you because we don't want to. Anything you want to say about it, KT? Because you're in a situation, seriously, where you really, no, really, KT, you have more money than most of your family members. You just do, and that's fact. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. Right? Yeah. They don't love you less? No. I feel great about that. And Susie and I obviously are very generous, but we're also very careful about what we do with our money. And we've made it pretty clear that the majority of our you know, of our income and or, or our, of our, our wealth, wealth of our wealth will be left to charities yeah, and but- our favorite charities. And, and that's very private for Susie and I right now, but we're very proud of that. And we've absolutely shared that information with family members. And one other thing that I just want to say about this is that when Katie's younger sister, Barbara, yeah. and her husband, love, love Barbara. Don, and their two kids started to in 2004. And we yeah. were already extremely wealthy in 2004. Came to visit us in Florida. We had a small two bedroom condo. That's it. <laughs> and Susie loves to tell this story. We, we love to be together. And for our family and, and the kids, so Barbara's child, Barbara and Don's kids, our niece and nephew, are like children of our own. They've always spent summers with us since they were born. And that's as long as almost Susie and I have been together. Yeah. And we just love being together. So regardless of how much money we have and our ability to afford just about anything we want, we used to get these blow up air mattresses that she loves to tell this story and fill the living room with beds so that we could all be together. And it was just fun. And what was funny is once they became 14, 15, 16, we thought it wasn't proper anymore. Yeah, I remember that one summer we got a beautiful suite down the road at a fabulous five star resort. We were so excited that they would love that. And they didn't like it. They After wanted the to come night, back. They called and they said, <laughs> can, we Susie, can we come and stay with you? Can we come stay with you again on the floor? Yeah, and we did. Yeah, so <laughs> the point of that is that money didn't change any of that. Right, so don't let it change you. 
and be proud of it and don't be afraid. And, you know, again, if you have young children, you don't have to tell them, but, you know, show them how proud you are of your husband and that don't use an excuse anymore that we can't afford it. Now, if they want something, you can say, no, I don't want you to have that. I don't think it's good for you. Don't say anymore. Sorry, we can't afford it. Because guess what? You, you can. can. All right, Katie. It's that time, Susie. Now, I have to tell you, because as you know, I read all of the emails. Um, people are still confused. I don't know how that's possible, but they are. Wait, let me guess about Roth. The five-year rule. Oh, Roth. that yeah, that five-year rule is a little tricky, but so we'll set I'm them straight. Keep doing this until I don't get any more questions about the five-year rule for Roth IRAs. All right, this is from Jean, and she says, "Hi, Susie and KT. Thanks so much for the wonderful podcast." As a retired woman nearing 71. All right, everybody, remember the quizzy isn't just for KT, it's for all of you. And as I read these, I like to point out little things that are clues for all of you. So, as a retired woman nearing 71 mm -hmm. and divorced, your advice is invaluable. I especially appreciated the podcasts on the five-year rule for IRAs, but I'm still a little confused. I have a small, about $15,000 traditional IRA, all invested in technology stocks. I would like to convert the IRA to a Roth while tech stocks are beaten to death because I feel sure they'll come back and the account will do well over time. Here's the quizzy. Once I convert it, does the five-year rule apply to both the converted funds I've paid taxes on or just the earnings? So she converts it, KT. A conversion starts a new time clock right away. No matter what her age, a conversion always starts a new time clock. So, everybody, are you thinking about the answer? Does the five-year rule apply to both the converted funds I've paid taxes on or just the earnings? Well, she's 71. You're clear, baby doll. You're over 59 and a half. Oh, my God. You got this. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 you Just ding. remember the age, everybody, and it's real easy. So, is she totally clear with earnings as well? Yeah, baby. Oh, no, 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 wait, sorry. No earnings you haven't paid taxes on. And no matter what, you got to pay your taxes. So you cannot. Wrong answer. Wrong, wrong. What do you mean? You're not using the five-year right rule. The five-year rule. But she's 71. Yeah. Earnings have to stay in there for how long? She Five years. And five then, years. And then That's after what, that, does she pay taxes on no, them? No, 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 no. If she wanted to, to take it out she would have to pay on the earnings. Tax but on, yeah. it, the five-year rule applies to the earnings no matter what. Until it's been five years. Yeah. And, right, she has to be 59 and a half. Yeah, well, she's 71. So yeah, we, but we're I'm clear just, on all right, that you count. got that. All right. All right. 
I got I got both right. All right, Miss Travis. (laughs) That ends another one. There's only one thing that we want for everybody, KT. And what is that? Stay strong. Stay smart. And stay Stay secure. secure. See you soon, everybody. God bless. Bye-bye. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.